Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wise Yourself Up podcast. I am your host, Carney McGreevy, and today I'm going to chat to you about healing your childhood wounds. What is the crack? Is everybody officially out of uh, Christmas mode? What would you call it? We're calling Twixmas, isn't it? That time between Christmas and New Year. And I think a lot of people took the rest of last week off. So maybe uh, this week is your first week back to work. And I hear it is Baltic in Ireland, England and Scotland and Wales. Freezing temperatures and some of you brave souls are still getting in the water into the ocean, which I love to see. I'm really missing the ocean, really missing her. I think from 2020, I dipped all through the winters and in Bali, the water's obviously warm and there's ice, what do you call them, ice baths? Ice baths, that's how allergic I am to them. I just really don't like them. I think it's because I can't move and there's like no rhythm or wave to it. It's just so still and I have to be so still and I like to move. But anyway, I'm still getting my fix the ice baths, grudgingly. It's funny because some of you prefer the ice baths. I see that you've all bought some. Santa brought you some ice baths for Christmas and you are filling them up like, oh, I would take the ocean any day. Do the drive, the scenery, love it. But fair play to everybody who is continuing with their dedication to the cold water therapy. Did you have a nice new year? What did you just get up to? I was working to 8pm, so I taught a workshop on the Sunday, a breathwork and creating a vision board. By the time I finished, it was 12 o'clock in UK time in the afternoon, but it was 8pm here and I usually go to bed at 9 or 9.30. I was meant to meet these Scottish ones and I was just like, I cannot be bothered. I had some food, I tried to ring my mum, couldn't get her, and then I just lay on the sofa and I was like, do you know what it is, this is just too nice to to leave, that's how boring I am. Now I did go out for a few drinks and dinner on New Year's Day night. I was home for like 11 o'clock, but it was good crack. I think that's what a lot of people do now, isn't it? Like have dinner or drinks on either side of the new year. I started 2024 with a UTI. Delighted. I think I've told you this before, I used to be riddled with these in my 20s when I never ever stopped for a breath and never took care of myself. I started on Tuesday. I thought my period was coming early by a week. I was getting these really bad cramps. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for my period to come. And then by the Thursday, I was like, I don't really understand. There's something off here. My stomach was just really swollen and again, really crampy. Where normally what happens with me is I'll get cystitis first, which is where it really burns when you pee. And then it can go into a UTI where you need an antibiotic. And then it can go into a kidney infection. That's like the line that it can go in. But this time there was no cystitis. It was straight into UTI and that cramping rather than having burny pee. So that was the first. And I had to take these antibiotics that made me so sick. I threw up within like an hour or two of taking them. Like my reaction in my body, like just real big temperature and really didn't feel well. And I had to be on them for a week. I'm starting to feel a wee bit better, but now my period's due. And I just feel like a hot, swollen mama. Does everybody feel like that in their period or just me? My temperature really goes up. And I actually really love the cold water on my period. But I don't really like it when I'm due my period because I'm so tired 
I don't really have the tolerance for the cold. I'm a lot more sensitive. But when my period actually comes, I love being in the cold water and because I feel so hot. I would love to hear what your relationship is with if you are a cold water dipper, what your relationship is with your period and the cold water and whether you like to be in it or not. And something that I'm actually discussing with Maria, the hormone coach from Instagram. Yeah, I'll let you know how me and Maria's chats go around it. I worked over Christmas and because I was working over Christmas and everybody else was off, I didn't go dancing last week. I just wanted to chill. I was like, I don't want all my days to be filled like a normal week. So I'm planning to go back to dancing this week. So I took a wee break, but at least I've went to two classes and I'm looking forward to going back to play once I worked outlines over on Thursday here and going to head back. I really want to hear what you're trying, what's going on. Also, I'd love to learn the Gaelic language, but I don't know how that's possible when I'm in Bali. If anybody has any ideas or anyone who works online, I need to look into that. I keep on talking about learning Gaelic and doing nothing about it. I was listening back to one of the episodes and I realised I was speaking about somatics and some of you may never have heard of somatics before. So I wanted to just briefly go over somatics. Somatics was coined by a professor and theorist called Thomas Hanna in 1976, okay? I first came across somatics in my first yoga teacher training and it was through the work of Peter Levine who wrote Waking the Tiger. If you're interested in learning more about trauma, it's like one of the Bibles of learning about trauma is this book and Peter Levine then coined somatic experiencing. I'm going to explain how I interpret somatics. So Peter Levine talks about how the animal heals from trauma and there's a video on YouTube and I'm going to name the animals wrong, but you'll get the, the gist of what I'm trying to say. There's a lion chasing, it looks like Bambi, but it's not Bambi. It's whatever Bambi is, a deer. The lion's chasing a deer and it catches the deer. And you can see the deer sort of like flops in the video. The deer's playing dead. And that's normally a tactic that women do. They will freeze because we aren't designed physically, typically, to be able to fight or outrun men who normally attack us or track us down or prey on us. Is that how we would say it? I'll continue with that. I'm doing my period, so my words aren't the best today, so you're going to have to bear with me. So Bambi the deer is playing dead in the lion's mouth. And the lion prefers fresh meat, by the way. It likes to do the kill, likes to have really tasty meat, whereas if the meat's already dead, it doesn't taste as good. In this video, you see that it sees like another deer that's alive that it could kill. So he gets distracted and he goes and chases the new fresh meat that's going to taste so much better for him or her, whoever the lion is. Then you see the deer, I'm definitely naming the deer wrong, but let's continue. Then you see the deer slowly breathing. So you see its wee belly, so it stops playing dead. You see its eyes start to widen. The belly starts to blow in and out, nice and slow, nice and slow. And then the body shakes vigorously. And that's how animals discharge traumatic energy. The mind is not involved at all. Animals do not suffer PTSD as humans do. This is what Peter Levine's work is. 
There's some people who would argue that animals do suffer PTSD. However, an animal will respond to something that would remind them of a past trauma, but it won't continually think about the past trauma the way the human would, okay? Humans can look like they're constantly traumatized even though there's no visible memory of the trauma around them. Whereas the animal, only when it sees something that brings back that memory that could alert it that it may happen again, then the animal will react and show signs of being anxious or afraid. However, humans with PTSD are continuously anxious and afraid. So that's where the difference lies. Peter Levine's work is around helping humans come out of the mind because it's the mind that creates the PTSD. It's the mind that is continually locked on to the trauma and continually trying to think about when it's next going to happen or thinking about the past and the future. The mind, as I, I said before, the thought is always in past and future where the body's in the present tense. And the thing is, we come out of the body because the visceral experience of the trauma is too much at that time. And then what we want to do after trauma is to come back into the body slowly, nice and slow, because if you go back into the body too fast, it can re-traumatize you, it can overflood your system. So we come back into the body nice and slowly through somatic therapy, through somatic experiencing, and that helps the person heal. It helps ease the symptoms of PTSD. The principle of all this is the body knows how to heal. The mind keeps us stuck. And most of us, because we've forgotten the intelligence of the body as a whole, we've forgotten the intelligence of nature as a whole, we become very attached to thinking. And that's what's causing so much suffering in the world in terms of PTSD, anxiety, depression. When we come back into the body, we remember that we are body, mind, spirit. And we remember that we belong to this body and we begin to heal and feel safe and trust the world again through connection to ourselves and connection to others. Somatic experiencing is more to do with the internal perception of your experience of internal sensations. A lot of people, when you're asked to explain how you feel about something, they go back into storytelling rather than how they feel. For example, say I was with a client and the client said, oh, my girlfriend left me. And I asked her, how did that make her feel? How does that feel for you? How did you feel in that moment? Then the client replies, well, she went to the shop first and then she wore this pink dress and then she told me this. They go back into storytelling where I want to know about your temperature, the texture of your skin. Where did you feel it in your body? Was it a lot of tension in your stomach? Did you have loads of energy? Did you become completely tired? Getting really descriptive with the felt sense of the experience is what they talk about, helps a person heal. People heal through feeling, they don't heal through thinking. That's where talk therapy can cause some people to become looped because they just talk about the experience and they don't actually process it in the body, which is a crucial step in healing. We need to, through talk therapy and somatic therapy, help the mind surrender and feel safe and relax and trust the body again and let the body do what it needs to do 
to come back into balance. The body is exceptionally intelligent, way beyond the mind's comprehension. And it knows exactly what to do to take care of you. That is, in a nutshell, my interpretation of somatic experiencing. That is what we all agree on, more or less. I want to talk about childhood wounds, okay? Everyone has them and they have a huge influence on you and they are usually the root of your conflict in work and in relationship. When you feel really triggered, really over flooded by emotion, usually it's because a childhood wound is being highlighted in that moment, even though the experience that caused the wound in childhood may look nothing like what's happening in your adult life. And I'm gonna give some real examples to help this be digestible. I'm gonna share something really private with you all. And I'm sure some of you are like, well, don't do it on a podcast. I'm sharing it because it's important. I'm sharing it because it's my truth. And I hope that you are all very sensitive for this information and kind. Yeah, I do feel that this is a safe container for me to share much more than, I obviously share a lot in my courses with women that I'm working with in a way that supports them and doesn't take away, because it's, it's about their healing, right? It's not about mine. I only share to help you process, not for the focus to become on me, okay? So sometimes what can happen is people share and it distracts from healing and educating. And sometimes people share and it supports it. Often what they say is if you're sharing a traumatic experience that you went through, it has to be from a scar and not an open wound is what the teaching is, especially in anything to do with trauma. The trigger is that I'm going to speak about sexual abuse. So you may want to continue listening or you may want to take a wee pause. Be really respectful of where you are at mentally right now because this can be overwhelming and it can also bring a lot up for a lot of you. I just want you to be really mindful and kind with yourself and maybe pause and check in of whether you want to continue listening. I'll start with a start. How I came across childhood wounds. I remember I told you this when I started therapy and basically Tracy, my first therapist, was like, you have to connect your inner child and heal your inner child. And I was like, absolutely not. No chance am I doing that. Totally repulsed by the idea I was like, no, so much resistance to it, okay? So this is the point where she was trying to get me on board with connecting to my inner child, but my inner child sort of turned me and I was like, oh, that was such a horrible experience. I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to remember those things. And I actually didn't want to be that child. Have you ever, I'm sure you have, had experiences happen to you that you really didn't want and you just want to bury them and forget them and pretend it never happened? So imagine you've done that all your life and someone's asking you to go back and reconnect with it. It's like, no, no. Tracy's trying to get me to heal my inner child and connect with her, okay? And at the time I worked for Bacardi, it was Bacardi at the time in Belfast. And I worked with the brand Patron. Great, love tequila, love the brand. Great time. Then one day in work, I was selling in a campaign where if the bars did X, Y, and Z, they had a chance of winning a prize, okay? I sold in the campaign, got the bar owner's degree, everything was in place. Then the brand manager came back to me 
after all the work was done and was like, oh, oh, we can't have that prize anymore. And it was like, so say the prize was to get to go to Mexico. And then he changed it that they would get like a bottle of Patron. And I was livid. I was like, you can't do that. I was really raging. I must have had therapy that day and went to therapy to Tracy. So I put her in the Tracy raging. I thought I was telling Tracy a really uninteresting story that had no relevance, but I just needed to vent about work this day. I tell her the story and of how I was so annoyed and she's saying like I was livid. Tracy decided to do the steps of CBT with me, okay? So there was five questions and I'll outline them here now. Tracy said, do you know, right, let's go through this. So one is tell the facts of what happened. So I couldn't say he was out to get me and he stole me a lad. He made a fool out of me in front of all these bar owners, right? That's not what I can say. I had to tell the facts that I sold in a campaign and the price changed. That's it. Number two, state your reaction. Livid. I wanted to burn the place down and burn him as well. Three, name six other reactions that people could have or interpret to the same event. And this is when I realised how locked my brain was into my one way of thinking. Because see, to come up with five different options to this, that's when I realised, God, you really need to continue this healing journey, Carla, because my mind wasn't open to these different possibilities. So that actually took a bit of a while to be like, you know, oh, I understand the budgets got caught or the bar owners will understand that these things happen or all the different reactions people could have. They could have been a bit more understandable than me. Four is, what is the fear that is being triggered here that people will believe about me? And this takes a wee bit of diving because people, we tend to give the surface answer. I'm really, there's something deeper underneath because my probably my first answer when I was asked, what is the fear being triggered here? What will people believe? I made it about him. Well, he's just this and that. And Tracy was like, no, 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 no. What will this, what does this mean about you? Not about him, not about the brand. I was like, he's trying to ruin, you know, my portfolio in Belfast. Tracy was like, no, what does it mean about you? Come back to you. It has to be something about you specifically. I hope I'm explaining that right. I sat with it a while and I realized it came out of me. I was like, it makes me sound like I'm a liar. She was like, oh, that's interesting. Then the final question is, number five is, does the emotion fit? And I said, no, I, was, I realized I was overreacting because the manager was actually really sound and lovely and I just blew up. So what's related to that, what me and Tracy had been working up, up to this was that when I was eight years old, I told school that I had been sexually abused and I was investigated by social services and the police. However, I couldn't explain what had happened to me, which is very common in cases of child sexual abuse, that the children don't have the name for the sex genitalia. They can't explain the acts that have happened. So it can make it very difficult um, for children to persecute in court or for the case to go to court. I think there were some notes around that it wasn't sinister enough. 
This is a long time ago. You're talking, Jesus, yeah, you're talking like 28 years ago. The world was very different then and how child abuse was dealt with and everything else. And to continue on with that, then at 19, I did address this again. And, you know, I said, you know, the right actions didn't happen and I wasn't believed. And, you know, all these years later, I confronted the man who got away with it. I dealt with it later at 19. It's interesting how in this work event, that's a big core wound for me and how I can really flip when that comes up. Obviously that's a big one that I'm sharing with you, but I thought it was so interesting that had I not been in therapy, I would have never pieced those two things together in a million years, I don't think. Then I realized I obviously had a lot of conflict with men even though my word was drowning in them, like I train all men, I worked with all men in the drinks industry, I was always in conflict. I had a lot of healing to do around these experiences I had in childhood. Everyone has trauma in childhood. I know I shared something quite big. It can be something much, much more subtle that had a big impact on you. We don't need to compare our trauma. We don't need to put it in order. We do not need to minimize it, which happens so often because people try and minimize it, but their emotion tells me a different story to how they really feel about it. We often minimize it to protect our parents. This is a very instinctual animal part of us that does this. It's very old school. And again, in cases of abuse and violence with children, children will always want to protect their parents. It's just the way we're wired. It's also to do with that old school way of never say anything about your family and loyalty can get very confused. It's very natural that we experience trauma in our family home. It happens in every family home. The most important piece of whatever's happened to you in your childhood home is that more than likely your emotions were not seen. They weren't validated and you weren't spoken to about the event to help you understand and process the events. This is very traumatic for any child that is trying to make sense of the world from their primary caregivers. Divorce, death, affairs, depression are very common experiences, addiction. Nearly every family has something along those lines that happen in it. Our parents, our grandparents, didn't have the education that we have, didn't have the tool set that we have to process trauma. It wasn't really called to be healed before this era. Everything's always shifting and what, what gets called to be healed in every generation and time. For some reason, our generation has been called to heal trauma and to wake up. What happens even when children are really young, young as babies and infants, we are so energetically connected to our parents. We register everything, even though years ago, people didn't realize that kids were so attuned. We thought what kids didn't see and didn't hear, they didn't know, but they could always feel it. And that's what we know now, that a baby will have a sensory experience of their father abandoning them, of their mother abandoning them, even if their mind doesn't remember. What's really crucial to know about this is that the baby, the infant, the child, will always internalize their experience and make it about them. For example, children who grew up in a house where their parents fought a lot, 
some kids will then try to be extra good in school. They think that they can influence their parents' fight and that they can make it stop. The kids avoid conflict at all costs because they experience such poor conflict in the home. Because conflict's good, but when you experience really bad conflict in the home where it's not resolved, it's not dealt with in a healthy way, you can be really afraid of conflict. My main man, back to my main man, he was 80 this week. Happy birthday, Gabriel Mate. He was 80 this week. What a gentleman. Gabriel Mate talks about this in his work in his book that he experienced this. I think he did a mushroom trip. He spoke about this when I met him in September. He took a lot of mushrooms. And in his mushroom trip, he connected to when he was a baby. And obviously he doesn't remember when he was a baby, but this baby part of him still lives inside of him. In his whole psyche, it's a part of his parts. We all have parts. At the time, Gabriel Mate was born in the middle of the Holocaust. His grandparents were murdered in the Holocaust. And for some reason, the doctors were telling them maybe there was a shortage of food for the mothers not to feed the wee babies and a lot of the Jewish babies were crying a lot because obviously they were connected to their mothers and their mothers were so stressed about their safety. He went back to this memory of being a baby and remembering his mother crying so much and he felt responsible for it. Isn't that insane? He sees that reflected through his life and how he obviously tried to save people, he became a doctor and how that influenced him and how he met the world. In Gabriel's work too, he heavily links mothers who experience depression and pregnancy and in the early weeks of their baby's life, that there's a link between that and children and babies having asthma. That's not to say that it's the mother's fault, this isn't a blame game for mothers, but just to show how much we're linked. That's how intergenerational trauma works that our parents were traumatised and we were traumatised too, that their trauma lives in us. An activity that you could do is remembering any traumatic experiences that you had as a child and then trying to identify the core belief that you made about yourself from that. For example, one of mine's is, I am unlovable. That's always at the core that I see it's something that comes up often in relationships. If I get into conflict in an intimate relationship, my first two is that they don't love me anymore because of the rejection by my father. Now, I don't remember registering my dad abandoning me as an infant, but now I understand through science that that was imprinted on my body and in my psyche. However, my actions and behaviours clearly showed that I believed this about myself and that that was at the root of a lot of suffering that I was experiencing in my life. Another common one that people can hold is I am not enough. Another common core belief that people hold about themselves from childhood, if they were really criticized um, by their parents or really um, pushed to do well academically. Rather than a child should always be told that they're loved no matter what they produce or what their results are. Other things that could be very distressing moments for you from childhood that could have really made a big imprint on you is being called stupid, excluded by your peers, comments about your weight, always being last. Like I remember when I was in school, she was remember that like you had like 
you were ranked in the class, that definitely doesn't happen now. Some people were bullied for always being the smartest in the class, especially in boys' schools that would apply to. Just being criticised a lot, a lot of comments made about your weight and how you looked and all those things. We usually have about three big core beliefs that are asked to be healed in our lifetime and present themselves time and time again in very different experiences to the original one that created it. What we can then use is a tool called RAIN that was developed by Tara Brock. She's a psychologist and Buddhist teacher who I mix up with Tara Judell. Tara Judell is the yoga teacher who teaches in body flow. Tara Brock is the psychologist who teaches meditation and teaches Buddhism. So Tara Brock talks about rain. So the first step is to recognize. We need to recognize the patterns, what we hold and believe about ourselves and really get to the root of what we're believing about ourselves and what these repeating patterns in our lives are telling us when we're in conflict repeatedly or when we get really overwhelmed with emotion. The second step is to have radical acceptance. So this is when we don't try to overanalyze and justify. Of course, there's reasons why these things happened. And there's lots of compassion to be had for our parents and our caregivers and our support network at that time, of course. But in healing, we want to step out of the mind and just radically allow whatever is here. That means that we let the emotion be there. We be with the pain, usually a discomfort. Then we investigate it. We talk about in somatics, the felt sense of the experience, describing that your skin feels prickly, that your tongue is numb, your mouth is wet or dry, your eyes feel itchy. All these different things that can arise when we are connecting with a memory that is in the body. So when we bring up something that happened in childhood, which we believe this core belief came from, that is somewhere in the body. So we'd want to identify where we think that is held in the body, where we feel it is held in the body. For example, it could be a lot of it in your stomach, in your right shoulder, in your knees. It can be different for different people. For me, a lot of mine would be held in my stomach, which makes sense because if we struggle to accept the events in our lives, the stomach's all to do with acceptance, then that's why some people would hold a lot of energy and emotion there. And we stay with the sensations. Research shows that it takes 90 seconds for an emotion to complete itself if we don't interrupt it, which means we don't say, why are you here? When are you going to be done? Who brought you here? I don't think I should feel this way. Is it done yet? It wasn't that bad anyway. Do you know all this talk that the mind gives? We just totally just try and breathe, catch the thoughts and come back to the breath. And then the final step is to nurture. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of spiritual reparenting. That's talked about a lot in healing is that our parents went through everything they went through in their lifetime. You know, especially if you're from the North, our parents went through the troubles and all that violence and all that trauma, and they did the best they could with the tool set that they had. 
some of them couldn't give us the love in the way that we needed as children. And it's up to us now to give ourselves that love, especially to those smaller parts of ourselves that we hold inside. How do we nurture? Tell me how you nurture yourself. You know, this is the one. So when I started doing the work of Rain, I would always forget the end. That's how bad I was at nurturing myself. I'd be like, what's that last one I have to do again? Terrible. So funny. Like, I'd always be like, R-I-R-A-I, and then blanket in. Because I was so terrible at nurturing myself. <laughs> so how we nurture is like, we would rock the body. We would maybe rub our arms, put warm blankets around us allow ourselves deep breaths, maybe go for a walk. Affirmations are really powerful in helping to heal core wounds, repeatedly saying, I would like repeatedly write down, I am worthy, like 20 times on a page. And I would also set in myself in front of a mirror. Mirror work really shows you the truth of how you feel about yourself. And if you're struggling to identify your childhood wounds, the mirror will definitely help you get a wee bit clearer on that. You can also carry a picture of yourself as a child in your purse. You can look at yourself as a child and say to that picture, you know, I've got you now. I love you. Because you are all the parts of you. The two-year-old, the five-year-old, the 16-year-old, the 20-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old. On the day that you leave this earth, you're still all those parts of you and how you've evolved through this world. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Another thing that you can look up is internal family systems is a transformative tool that can help you work through parts and work with your childhood parts and your teenager parts and your younger parts. And I'll actually explain a wee bit more about that next week. I also want to talk to you about contraception next week. So I'm going to put that in stories tonight, actually, and ask you a few questions. And we'll touch briefly on the menopause. I'm going to have a very special guest in speaking about her views and thoughts on the menopause, which I'm dead excited about. And it's something that I need to learn loads more about. I can't wait to hear all your stories and advice, and especially from the wiser women who are listening. See, at this stage of the game, everyone... I'm really fed up of promoting myself. I can't be bothered. God forgive me. I don't know if it's my period coming or the mood I'm in. I feel like Joanne McNally. Plug, 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 plug. Plug, 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 plug. See, promoting your own products, it's just not as fun as when I was selling tequila and all that crack. You're so, like, attached to your own product that you made that it's just like, ugh. But anyway, if you want to learn more and experience somatic therapy, Experience healing through feeling, breath work, journaling, meditation, a short bit of movement, and really what the wave effect is really going to focus on these next four weeks is self-love and how we can connect the different parts of the body to bring to life what we want. For example, if we're struggling to accept, we would connect to the stomach for acceptance. If we need to let go, we need to connect to the large intestines and the intestines. Okay, all the body parts do the emotional parts. I hope that makes sense. 
and that I don't go back to selling Guinness because that's the mood I'm in today. I think we all go through these peaks and troughs as a freelancer. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everything made sense with my period brain and head. And again, if you would like there to be a second series, all the likes, shares, comments, everything really helps get this tiny little baby. So basically, I feel like the babies came out and needs to learn to roll on its belly. So if you can help us do that, that would be great. Take care and I can't wait to speak to you all next week.